the more your sin has grown, the more difficult your battle will be to kill it. But the more the sin has grown, the more urgent it is that you begin that warfare against it now. Sin is a power. It has a vigor within it. You have to track it down and deal with it, or it will destroy you. Welcome to Open the Bible Weekend with Pastor Colin Smith. And Colin, we may have someone listening today who says, man, that's right where I'm at. I feel like sin does have the best of me. I don't even know how to begin fighting against this. Yeah, well, I'm so glad that you're listening to the program today because we're going to look at a very simple biblical strategy for fighting sin. Hmm. Three steps, know it, stalk it, and kill it. And the last part comes directly from Romans in chapter 8 and verse 13. We're to put to death the misdeeds of the body. We're to be proactive in fighting against sin. And so the first thing, of course, is we have to know what we're up against. And then we need to identify where it is active in our particular lives. And then we're to give it no room. We're to put it to death by the power of the Holy Spirit who lives within every Christian believer. And that's what gives us hope. And so I want you to talk just a little bit more about that last point. Because there are probably some who are saying, okay, three-step process seems simple, but that last part of putting it to death, I can't seem to get any victory over this Yeah, that's right. And the way that uh, that's often said is, you know, this sin's too powerful for me. It's just too hard. It's bigger than I am. I just can't stop. And the answer to that is maybe bigger than you are not bigger than the power of the Holy Spirit who lives within you. And that's what it means to be a Christian. I I say to folks, if you're not a Christian, you come to Jesus Christ and he will give you not only his forgiveness, but the power and presence of his spirit. And if you are a Christian, you've got to count on the power and presence of the Holy Spirit because he has been given to you in order to fight this battle. Hmm. So we're going to get into it today at very, very practical. God has given us his spirit that we will be able to prevail in the battle against sin. Well, grab a Bible, join us in the book of James. We're in chapter one as we continue the message, turning from as much as you know of your sin. Here is Pastor Colin. How much do you know of your own sin? How familiar are you with the workings of your own heart? What would you say were the top three sins to which you are most vulnerable at this point in your life? Now, if you can't answer that question, you need to take some time till you can do it. What would you say are the top three sins to which you are most vulnerable at this point in your life. If you don't know the answer to that question, how can you possibly be on your defenses against them, and how can you possibly be launching an assault towards them? You've got to know them. You've got to know where the battle is in your life right now. I find a very helpful exercise to list them. Identify them clearly. Now, I want to encourage you in this to use the Bible as a regular tool for self-examination. Being brought up, I was uh, taught a very simple method of Bible study that included three important questions. Whenever you read the Bible, ask, is there a command to obey? Is there a promise to believe? Is there a sin to avoid? I find that very helpful. Is there a promise here to believe? Is there a command here to obey? Is there a sin here to avoid? Whenever you read the Bible, ask these questions. So, for example, sometimes it opens up things that aren't quite obvious, you see, and God speaks to you through them. I was reading uh, recently the story of the four men 
who took their paralyzed friend to Jesus and got discouraged at first because they couldn't get anywhere near. And then they got creative. And uh, they climbed up onto the roof. You remember this story? Dug a hole through the roof and then lowered their friend on the mat so that he came right down through the roof to the very feet of Jesus. You've got to say, brilliant. I mean, it is absolutely brilliant. What's the sin to avoid? The sin of giving up too quickly. The sin of saying it's too difficult. The sin of saying, I can't be bothered. I found that helpful because God spoke to me through that. When you read the Bible, ask the question, is there a sin to avoid? God's Word is light. And if we're going to succeed in our battle against sin, we need to understand where it is going on within us, and it is the Scripture that God will use to identify where the struggle is at its most fierce. Now, it's also useful, alongside this regular self-examination, to have particular times when we examine ourselves more closely. And again, you can use the Scriptures to do this. The most obvious way to do it is perhaps the Ten Commandments. Write down on a piece of paper what each command requires in your own words, and then use that to examine yourself and to explore what is going on in your life in relation to the calling that God has given to you. There are other passages of Scripture that you can use. Remember that last Sunday, we looked at Job chapter 31 where Job goes through 17 areas of his life and declares to God that he has maintained integrity in all of them. Now, I have to tell you, when I read that last week, I found myself saying, you know, I'm not sure that I could go through all of these and come up with that conclusion before the Lord. So, what I've done here for us is to turn Job's 17 statements in chapter 31 into 17 questions so that we can read through them, as I have done this week, and use them as questions to examine ourselves. Use these questions as the Scripture is God's light to shine into your heart to help you know where the issues are and therefore where the battle has to be fought. The first priority in turning from sin is that you should know it. And if you can't identify what it is from which you need to turn at this point in your life, you will make very, very little progress. And it's a vagueness about repentance that causes so many Christians to get stuck so that the path remains hidden to them, and very little progress is made or change is seen. So, first strategy, know it. Second strategy, stalk it. Once you have identified where the heat of the battle is, then you need to deal with the area of sin that you have clearly identified by watching for its movements in your life. So, let's take some practical examples. Suppose that you have discerned, as you've looked at the Scriptures and you've examined your own heart, that you really need to deal with some issues of pride, or lust, or laziness, or unbelief, or whatever it is. But you've identified 
an area or a couple of areas where you say there needs to be significant change in my life here if I'm to move forward as a Christian. What are you going to do next? As you stalk these things, you'll be asking questions like this. When am I most vulnerable to this? In what ways do I see this being expressed in my life? Now, nobody, at least in my own reading, has proved more helpful on this issue than John Owen. I'm going to put his book there. It has the marvelous title, The Mortification of Sin. My wife looked at the cover last night, and she said, wow, looks seriously interesting. <laughs> I tell you, and I promise you, this is pure gold. John Owen wrote in the 17th century, he was a master physician of the soul. I don't know if there's been any Christian writer throughout history outside of the New Testament who had a deeper and more penetrating understanding of the inner workings of a Christian believer's wife. Uh, wife, I'm sorry, life. <laughs> I do apologize. <laughs> Let me give you a sample of Owen on stalking sin. Ask, he says, ask envy what it aims at. You say, isn't that brilliant? Where are you taking me, envy? Where are you going? Murder and destruction are envy's natural conclusion. So set yourself against it as if it had already got there. That's brilliant. In a similar vein, he says, every unclean thought or glance would be adultery if it could. Every covetous desire would be oppression, and every unbelieving thought would be atheism. See, so you look at that unbelieving thought that plagues you, and you say, you draw it out, and you say, I know where you're going, and if I follow you, I'll be an atheist, and I'll have no hope for this life or the world to come either. I'm not going there. So you draw it out. You ask it where it's going. Sin's expression, he says, is modest in the beginning, but once it has gained a foothold, it continues to take further ground and presses on to greater heights. Again, he says, we need to be intimately acquainted with the ways, wiles, methods, advantages, occasions which give sin its success. This, he says, is how men deal with their enemies. He's thinking warfare now, you see. They search out the plans of the enemy, ponder his goals, and consider how and by what means the enemy has prevailed in the past. Then the enemy can be defeated. Know your enemy. One of the most important parts of spiritual wisdom, he says, is to find out the subtleties, policies, and depths of any indwelling sin to consider where its greatest strength lies, how it uses occasions, opportunities, and temptations to gain advantage. We need to find out its pleas, its pretenses, its reasonings, and to see what its strategies, disguises, and excuses are. We need to trace this serpent in all its turning and windings and to bring its most secret tricks out into the open. We must learn to say to our sin, this is your usual method, and I know what you are up to. 
Now, isn't that marvelous when you have the kind of discernment to be able to say to your prevailing sin, this is your usual method. I know how you work in me. I know what you are up to. And because I've gained a handle on how and when and where the enemy operates, therefore I am put in a position to gain a victory. Stalking sin. You have to know it, know what you're going after. You have to stalk it. And stalking is the way in which you move from knowing your sin to being in a position where you are able to kill it or to mortify it. You're listening to Open the Bible Weekend with Pastor Colin Smith and a message called Turning from as much as you know of your sin, part of a larger series called Repentance, The Hidden Path to a Transformed Life. Really a helpful and practical series taking a look at how we do battle against sin and change, mature in our walk with Jesus. If you ever miss a broadcast in the series, come and listen online. Our website is openthebible.org. If you joined us late, we're in the book of James, so meet us there in chapter 1 as we continue our message, Turning from as much as you know of your sin. Again, here's Pastor Colin. I was talking to a Christian counselor recently, and uh, he said to me very helpfully, he said, when we have folks come to us with addictions, one of the first things we try to do is to help them define the problem in biblical language and call it by its proper name, which is idolatry. Now, you see what that is? That's stalking sin. That's finding out where it is, then identifying how it works so we can get in a position to gain the mastery over it. Now, don't uh, underestimate the importance of this. If you become aware of a particular area of sin in your own life, you know it, and you do not move forward by stalking it to kill it, then if you simply know it and ignore it, it will end up growing in your life. And if that has happened to you, then you very, very urgently need uh, to deal with that sin decisively. The more your sin has grown, the more difficult your battle will be to kill it. But the more the sin has grown, the more urgent it is that you begin that warfare against it now. Sin is a power, it has a vigor within it, you have to track it down and deal with it, or it will destroy you. Now, you see this in in a very powerful way. In the first reference that we ever have to sin in the Bible, and that is in Genesis in chapter 4 and verse 7. It comes in the story of Cain and Abel. Abel brought an acceptable sacrifice to God, and Cain did not. And after worship, Cain became angry with God. And this is the very first reference to sin in the Bible. And uh, Cain is angry, and God says to him, why are you angry? Why are you downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at the door. Now, the picture there is of a wild animal outside the door, crouching, ready to spring. An attack is ready to be launched by sin, speaking of sin in almost personal terms. And uh, the Lord says to Cain, sin is crouching at your door, verse 7, it desires to have you, but you must master it. 
So if you imagine that we're all in a primitive jungle, and there are many dangers, especially for wild animals, and one day we hear that there is a huge leopard, and it has come into the village and it has taken the life of a child. And because the leopard now has the taste of blood in its mouth, you know that it will come back for sure. And so there really is only one uh, choice for us at this point in the village, that is that the leopard should be hunted and killed. And so the chief asks for volunteers and a group of us step forward. We take our spears, we move out of this village, and we go hunt for the leopard. You move through the bush, you're stalking it, you're looking for signs of movement, tracks, a dead carcass, any sounds of the, the, the movement of a large animal, but you walk very slowly as you stalk the leopard. Why? Because you know that the leopard is stalking you. You are the hunter, but you move very carefully because you are also the hunted. That is how it is with sin. You are stalking sin. Sin is stalking you. And for that reason, an engagement is inevitable, and either you will kill it or it will kill you. And that takes us to the last part of this strategy. You must know it. You must stalk it. You must kill it. Now, if that sounds violent, I want to assure you that it is biblical language and we desperately need to understand it. I need to be devastating towards the movements of sin in my own life. Always be killing sin, says John Owen, or sin will be killing you. Great statement. Chapter 8 and verse 13 of the book of Romans. Turn to it with me if you would. Paul says, if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. You have to put to death the misdeeds of the body. That's what this word mortify actually means. Owen defines it in this way. It consists, he says, in three parts. Number one, a habitual weakening of sin. In other words, every time you say no, to a particular area of temptation, to a particular movement of sin in your life, every time you say no, you weaken its power. And he says, secondly, it is a constant fighting and contending against sin. In other words, don't expect that the temptation will go away just because you've said no to it many times. The root remains, and the struggles, though they may change in the course of life and with different circumstances, the struggle of, with sin remains throughout a Christian's lifetime. But mortification, he says, is marked thirdly by frequent success. Sin's activity and actions become fewer and weaker than before. And sin, he says, is not able to hinder man's duty, nor to interrupt his peace. Now, notice that this is the work that God calls us to do. If by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body. We've to do this. But the good news is that you do not do it alone because as a Christian believer, the Spirit of God lives within you. And he says, if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, then you will live. 
Owen lists beautifully six ways in which the Spirit is at work in putting to death sin in the life of a believer. Let me just mention them quickly. The Spirit will convince you about the sin that needs to be killed. He'll reveal the provision of Christ for your relief. He'll establish your heart in the expectation of relief from Christ. In other words, He'll arouse faith so that instead of saying, oh, I'm going to be defeated, you come to the position of a believer saying, I can conquer this through Christ. He brings the cross of Christ into your heart with its sin-killing power, says Owen. I love that phrase. He begins and will complete your sanctification, and He supports all your prayers to God. See, what he's saying is that the Holy Spirit is with you to apply the provision that has been made in Jesus Christ for you to move forward on the path of repentance and to have frequent success in your struggles with indwelling sin. By faith, last quote, he says, ponder this, that though you are in no way able to conquer your disordered state, And though you are weary of fighting it, there is enough in Jesus Christ to give you relief. I love that. Think about this with faith. That though you can't sort out your disordered state, and though you are weary from fighting it, there is enough provision in Jesus Christ for your relief, and the Holy Spirit will bring that reality into your soul so that you're able to move forward on this path. And he says, those who are walking this path, those who are moving on this path, this is the distinguishing mark of a true Christian, this person will live. Because those who are walking this path are those who are led by the Spirit, and those who are led by the Spirit are sons of God. Threefold strategy for fighting and prevailing over sin in your life. Know it, stalk it, kill it. You're listening to Open the Bible Weekend with a message called Turning from as much as you know of your sin. And what a helpful and powerful message. And I love that imagery of stalking and killing sin, continuing to do battle against that sin because we may struggle with certain sins throughout our lives, but we can't have victory over those temptations and say no to that sin. And I love that concept that Pastor Cullen shared with us from John Owen, to always be killing sin or else it will be killing us. Well, today's message is from a larger series called Repentance, The Hidden Path to a Transformed Life. And if you ever miss a broadcast in this series and you want to go back and listen to that, you can do that by coming to our website, openthebible.org. You can stream the program or download an MP3 for free. Again, that's at openthebible.org. Well, Open the Bible is a listener-supported program. We're able to be on this station because of your generosity. And as you give a gift of any amount this month, we want to send you Pastor Colin's book, Momentum, Pursuing God's Blessing Through the Beatitudes. And Colin, what can we learn from the Beatitudes? 
Well, the Beatitudes are the teaching of the Lord Jesus Christ on how to have a blessed life. And who wouldn't want to pull up a chair and listen to the Son of God tell us how we can be blessed? That's what's laid out in the Beatitudes. And here's the wonderful thing. The Lord Jesus tells us not only what it means to be blessed, but how we can actually pursue the blessing of God in our lives. So if you're looking to grow in your Christian life, you want to know more of the blessing of God, well, there's no better place for you to look than the Beatitudes. Well, we would love to send you Pastor Cullen's book called Momentum, Pursuing God's Blessing Through the Beatitudes as our way of saying thank you for your financial support this month. You can give over the phone by calling us at 1-877-673-6365 or online. Our website is openthebible.org. Again, the phone number is 877-OPEN-365, and the website is openthebible.org. For Pastor Colin Smith, I'm Steve Hiller. Thanks for listening, and I hope you'll join us next time. Open the Bible Weekend is a listener-supported production of Open the Bible. Some of us were brought up with a version of Christianity that majored on the negative. Discover the positive version of Christian living that the Bible opens up to us. That's next time on Open the Bible Weekend.